a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Genesis chapter 12, I want to go back to verses 1 through 9. We looked at it on Wednesday night in Bible study. I want to go back there one more time, get, get the rest of that meat off the bone, if you will. I'm reading from the NIV, follow along in your favorite version. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go, the church say go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4 is my key verse. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. They arrived there. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Some versions say he continued toward the south. First four is our key, key verse. I want to read the first clause. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. I want to use as a subject this morning the urgency of obedience. The urgency of obedience. Let's pray. God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for the opportunity to stand behind this, this sacred podium to preach your sacred word to your blessed and precious people. Heavenly Fathers, I stand to preach. I pray that you would use me in a mighty way. What you have given me, what you have placed on my heart to share with your people. I pray that it will bless your people like never before. God, give me preaching power. For, anoint me afresh to share what you have given me to share. And as a result, God, I pray that all of us we, will be edified. But most of all, you will be glorified. And God, I pray that if there is anyone in here, or if there is anyone that's listening via Facebook or Zoom, they don't know you in a part of their sins. I pray that they will come asking, what must I do to be saved? So God, we pray that you would uh, release anointing. I pray that you would release learning. Let, let, let there be learning and teaching this morning so that we would all be better as a result of your word. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The urgency of obedience. 
C.S. Lewis, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciousness, and shouts to us in our pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciousness, and shouts to us in our pain. So, if God whispers to us, speaks to us, and shouts to us, our response, of, our response then becomes an individual responsibility. The story is told more than 130 years ago, a group of 20 distinguished Americans met in the Astor House in New York City during the presidency of Millard Fillmore. Among the dinner guests was Secretary of State Daniel Webster, who had been unusually quiet. In an effort to engage him in conversation, a colleague asked, Mr. Webster, will you tell me what was the most important thought you ever had? Following a brief sentence, he, he, a brief silence rather, he confidently replied, the most serious thought that ever occupied my mind was that of my individual responsibility to God. And so I want to talk about obedience this morning. Obedience is one of those, I would call one of those hard words that comes with a negative stigma, if you will. So what does obedience mean from a biblical perspective? I remember back in the day when, when my mom or my dad or, or any adult in the neighborhood, we lived in a pretty uh, tight-knit neighborhood. When my mom or my dad or any adult told me to do, do something, they expected a response right away. Either a verbal response or some type of noticeable movement, if you will. Obedience to God similarly, it, it works similarly to responding to our parents. After all, He is our Heavenly Father. And so I would, I would suggest to you, obedience to God works in three ways. Number one, obedience to God, it proves our love to God or for God. 1 John 5, 2 and 3, it says, This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. Goes on to say, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. That's the NIV. But number two, obedience demonstrates our faithfulness to God. John also says in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, he says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. But then, the third thing, obedience opens up the doors for blessing us. Or if you will, it creates the conditions for God to bless us. Let's say this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is Jesus talking in John 13, verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is telling the disciples all the lessons he has taught them, all of the things that he has shown them. He says, if you do what I've shown you, keep my commandments, keep my teachings, you will be blessed 
if you do them. Amen? Amen. If I can go on, obedience is also, obedience to God is an indicator of our faith and relationship with God. Of course, we know that faith is necessary to please God. And if our faith is genuine and true, then it will, it will be demonstrated in our lifestyles. It will be characterized by righteousness, following, or following the example that Jesus set for us. So we obey his commands not because we have to, but because we want to. I pray this is making sense to you. We obey his commands not because we, we have to, but because we want to. And we do that because we love God. Amen. This is why John says his commands are not burdensome. When we, when we truly love God, it, it creates a joy and an excitement to do what the Lord says to do. It, it ought to create a burning desire to, to serve God and obey him. That's what Joshua said. He said, uh, Joshua 24, 15, choose this day who you will serve. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's not a burdensome thing. It, it is a joyful thing. There is a desire to love, to obey God. So I would argue with you this morning, when we are obedient and faithful to God, we can live a life full of joy. I want to go on and say, y'all, there is nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to being obedient to God. I want to stand here, stand here and tell you this morning, obedience to God looks good on you. It looks good on you. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. It, obedience looks good on you, child of God. But on the flip side, when it comes to disobedience, God is still gracious. He's still gracious. So if we haven't been living for him, if we haven't been following his commandments, if we have been living in and for the world, that is a remedy. We can be transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can, we can be transformed by the salvation of the Lord Jesus. We can ask God for forgiveness and he will give it. Amen. God would choose to forget the sin as if we never committed it in the first place. So what we talked about this morning in Sunday school. That doesn't take away from God if he forgives our sin. God is still glorified even when he forgives us of our sins. He's glorified in our obedience. But on the other side, he gets, he gets glory also when we, when we repent of our disobedience. He's going to get it either way. But the key point for us, there's nothing to be ashamed about when it comes to serving God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What are you ashamed of? Let's get right into this text. So in Genesis, y'all, we, we find ourselves right smack in the middle of God getting ready to do a marvelous thing. You've read Genesis before, you know, the first 11 chapters, we have the creation of man. We have the fall of man, the creation of the world, the creation of man. We have the fall of man, Adam and Eve in the garden. We have the flood, which God, God called Noah to build an ark. Then we have the formation of nations. But then we find ourselves right smack 
in the middle of God getting ready to create a covenant or pronounce a covenant with Abram and his descendants. Amen. Amen. Right. And prior to this, we see the great rebellion with the Tower of, uh, of Babel, the scattering of humans. So God then he turns his attention to a single person to bring forth his plan of redemption. And as I think about Abram, I find it interesting that in, in Genesis chapter 6, Noah, he is faced with the same predicament even before Abram gets it. We know Noah, he receives a command from God, and God expects a response. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6 that Noah walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully. And the reason Noah walked faithfully, that's a good thing, because the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. But God encountered Noah and said he was going to put an end to all people at the end of the earth because he was filled with violence because of them. But then chapter 6 ends and says, Noah, watch this, did everything just as God commanded him. So I want to share three things with you about obedience. I've kind of been dwelling in this space all week. Here's the first thing we should understand about obedience to God as it relates to this particular text this morning. The first thing, there is going to be a personal encounter. If you're taking notes, here's the first point. There is a personal encounter. I like y'all. Y'all take notes. That make me, make me feel like I'm saying something important. Praise God. There is a personal encounter. That's, that's what I like about this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciousness and shouts to us in our pain. Think about that for a second. There is a personal encounter that happens. So for us, we have to for us, I want, I want to urge you this morning, don't minimize or mishand, mishandle this personal encounter with God. Right. Or however it is that God will get your attention. Don't, don't minimize it. Don't mishandle that personal encounter. However God approaches you, however God gets your attention, don't miss it. Don't minimize it. Don't ignore it. It is a personal encounter, watch this, because it is God who initiates the encounter by speaking something to you, by putting something on your heart to do or say or somewhere to go. That's how God personally encounters us. He puts something on our heart to say or do or somewhere to go. We see here in verse 1, God initiates a relationship with Abram. And calls for him to leave his country. That's a personal encounter, y'all. And the same thing will often happen to us. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. My brothers and sisters, we have to take it very serious when God puts something on our hearts. Don't, don't ignore the command. Don't ignore the burdens. You know, oftentimes we hear people, and I've done it myself. I, you've probably said it before. You, you ever heard when people say, this has been weighing on my heart for a while? Don't ignore that. Uh, or, you know, you, you hear 
Something ain't right about it. Something ain't sitting right in my spirit. That's God, y'all. He's, he's, he's trying to get our attention over something. So don't ignore the commands. Don't ignore the burdens. Don't ignore the go, as I shared the other night on Facebook. It's on your heart for a reason. God, watch this. God clearly communicated to Abram what he expected of him. There may be times when we're uncertain of what God wants us to do. Very often, however, God unmistakably tells us what to do. Sometimes we don't know if we're hearing God. We're uncertain about it. We often talk about faith over fear. I would argue it's not always a matter of fear. It's just a matter of uncertainty. God, is that really you saying that? That's what it really is. So, so don't, don't minimize this personal encounter. When we see God's word, we, we, see it, we hear God speak to us, we, we want to make sure it is clear, and we always want to be in, in a position to obey what God is telling us to do. Amen. God emphasized the magnitude of what he was asking of Abram. This, check about the, the magnitude, y'all. He, he was to leave the man where he lived, the family he loved, or his clan, his tribe, the home he knew, this is a heavy thing, a difficult thing that God is asking Abram to do. In other words, Abram was to leave the old, the familiar places. Many of his family and friends, they had to be left behind. That's heavy, y'all. Yeah. God further pointed out to Abram that he was to follow this call of obedience, even though he didn't know the final destination. All right. So God was calling Abram to faithful obedience. It was a call to trust the Lord with the future, even though God hadn't revealed all the details of that future. And this is a, this is a challenging call to what I would say is radical obedience. This is the urgency of obedience, y'all. The Lord asked Abram to live by faith and obey his word. And, and that's the same expectation that God has of us. To live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And obey his word. It's going to be some changes. It's going to be a great upheaval. You've got to leave some folks behind. You have to uh, separate yourself from what you truly know. you got to come out of that comfort zone. God simply says, go. The Lord was calling Abram to trust him. Enough to obey him. So the first thing. There is a personal encounter. But here's the second thing we should know about obedience to God. Point number two, it often carries public ramifications. It often carries public ramifications. What do I mean by that? I'm going to be blunt. Obedience to God has or will have public consequences. Here, here is, not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Here is what I love about this text. Watch this. Abram has a personal encounter with God, but his obedience to God is not for his own personal benefit. I love it, y'all. He has a, it's a personal, it's a private encounter, but it's not for his own personal benefit. I suggest to you when God calls you to do something, when he calls you, when he calls you to say something, 
when it calls you to go somewhere, I would suggest to you it's, it's not just for your own benefit. I would take it one step further. There is much more at stake than our own personal gain. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, y'all. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, maybe this is why God had me here all week. God spoke to Abram. He gave him the command to go. Watch this. Then he gave him the reason and the promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Watch this. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you will curse you. Here's the, here's the public ramification right here. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It was a personal encounter that carried public consequences. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a heavy responsibility, y'all. Heavy responsibility. God reveals his divine, divine plan through a series of promises he makes to Abraham. God promises to make Abraham into a great nation, to bless him, to make his name great, and to make him blessed, to bless those who bless him, to curse or judge those who curse him, and ultimately to bless all people on earth through him. You're sitting here under the sound of my voice. Those of you that are in the building, those of you that are online, you are blessed because of Abraham's obedience. Yeah. Public ramifications. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to turn it to you for a minute. Somebody will be blessed because of your obedience to God. All right. All right. Somebody will be blessed because of your obedience to God. Look at this. Your yes to God could save somebody's life. Yeah. Amen. Your yes to God could lead to salvation for somebody else. Your yes to God leads to deliverance for someone else. Your yes leads to someone else's breakthrough. I said that all that to say, y'all, there is, there is a lot at stake here for Abram. And if we put ourselves in the text, there is a lot at stake for us as well. Public ramifications. Don't minimize that personal encounter. Say yes to the Lord. Obedience, all. Obedience is an urgent matter. It may not always be the case, but chances are somebody's life may be dependent on our obedience. Not just for the pastor, for all of us. Amen. Here's something else we should also understand about obedience to God. We should understand this, that God wants to use us as a vessel. He wants to use us as a vessel. That's why it's urgent. Notice in this promise that God issues, God constantly says, I will. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is the responsibility to fulfill the promise is not on you. It's on God. God says, I will to Abram. It's not Abram's responsibility to fulfill the promise. God has that part. We just have to be the willing vessel. I love it. Praise God. We, we just have to be the willing vessel. God wants to use us as a vessel or a vehicle, if you will. He just needs a yes, and he'll take care of the rest. 
I like the way that rhyme. He just needs a yes, and he'll take care of the rest. This promise, y'all, it carries a lot of weight. God wants to use us as a vessel. He promises a nation. This is big because Abram is 75 years old. He has no children. His wife, Sarah, is barren. Consider them, y'all, perhaps, perhaps they're just a helpless couple minding their own business. But God wants to do something major through them. Amen? So God wants to use us as a vessel. The purpose of God wanting to use all of us is simply to bless others in some kind of way. I love it, y'all. But here's the last point. Don't get on out your way. Here's the last point we should understand about obedience. Obedience, number three, it reveals faith. Obedience reveals faith. Our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our trust and faith in God. Yeah. I don't know if I can break it down any further than that. But I would suggest it reveals how much we respect God. It reveals how much we trust Him. And how much we depend on Him. Verse 4 simply says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He went. And when he went, God, he, when he finally got to the place, God, in verse 7, God showed him the land the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Verse 7 there. So despite all of the, all of the difficulties of following the Lord into the unknown, Abraham, or Abram rather, obeyed the Lord. So I stand to tell you this morning, simple obedience demonstrates our faith in God. There's no argument recorded in the text. There's no talk back. There's no, there's no, nothing is recorded in this text but Abram following the Lord's command. And I want to say obedience to the Lord has no age limit. Rather than arguing with the Lord about why he couldn't do it at the age of 75, Abram simply obeyed. Everything else that will follow, all of the blessings that will follow was a result of Abram taking this first step in faith. Amen. And so it, it reveals our faith, but also Abraham, we see here, obedience reveals our faith, but obedience also requires faith. It reveals and requires. God told him to leave, get out of his country, leave his tribe, go to the land that he would show him. He told him about the promise and the blessing that would be the result. Verse 4 says he went as the Lord had told him. His obedience turns into then what I would call actionable faith. It, it becomes faith not only when we believe it, but when we also act upon it. It becomes actionable faith. Actionable faith is belief with legs on it. <laughs> belief, with, with, I think it was James that said, faith without works is dead. So the, so the requirement of faith then is simply to obey what God has commanded any of us to do. Amen. Abraham, at the time of his departure, he had not seen the land. 
that God wanted to show him, but the fact that he departed showed that he had a level of faith in God, and God would show him the evidence of the land later. I'm sure, I'm sure it was hard for Abram just to get up and leave everything that he was accustomed to. I'm sure it was hard for him to leave that 10 bedroom, 7 bathroom house, if you will. I'm sure it was hard for him to leave that, that old fancy car he had in the yard. But God said, go. God said, leave this, that, and the other behind. And so faith means we, we honor, we obey God in spite of the situation, the circumstances. The requirement was for Abram to separate himself from the familiar so that God could use him to do a new thing for the people of God that he wanted to redeem. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to close right here. Right. I, I want to tell you this morning, be encouraged. Yeah. And if you, if you have a negative stigma about obedience... I want to I want to double down and say obedience is a good thing. No ma'am, no sir. I don't know who told you otherwise, but don't get it twisted. Obedience is a good thing. Obedience is a good thing because it is the key to usefulness. God wants to use us in some kind of way. Obedience is a good thing because it brings joy. It brings joy. You ought to take joy in the fact that God wants to use you in a special way. You ought to take joy in that. But then it's a good thing because it creates the conditions for blessing. Blessings for you and for others. God said, I will bless not only you, but I'm going to bless them as well. So don't be mistaken. Obedience is a good thing. And we must have a sense of urgency to be, to be obedient to the Lord. So always remember, it begins with a personal encounter. When, when God has a desire to use you, he will somehow, some way, get your attention. Amen? But, but always remember this, number two, obedience has personal ramifications, if you will. It, it is not solely for your personal benefit. Or your personal gain. But lastly, obedience reveals our faith in our relationship with God. Amen. Abraham, or Abraham, he gives us a perfect model of what it means to display obedience and faith to God. But, but not only Abraham, or Abraham, I recall a man who is the perfect model of obedience to God. You, you see, Jesus Christ. His whole life had public ramifications. I love that, y'all. Jesus Christ, his, his whole life, it carried personal consequence. His whole life was consequential for you and for me. Amen. And that's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Ever lasting life. Jesus Christ, his whole life carried personal consequences. Jesus was born into a life of obedience, y'all. He, he was born into a life and a ministry that carried public ramifications. The prophet Isaiah declared he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrow and acquainted 
with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Watch this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Somebody say he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Thank you, God. Jesus Christ has his whole life carried personal. Uh, of ramifications, but it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ, his whole life, public ramifications, his whole life, public consequences. You see, Jesus understood what it meant to serve the Lord in full obedience. And faith. The Bible declares that, and, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His whole life, public ramifications. But then it's not over. He was taken on up the counter. And he was hung on the old rugged cross. They hung him high and stretched him wide. They nailed him in his hand and pierced him in his side. Public ramification. Not that he had given up his spirit, they took him to the grave. He stayed there all night. He stayed there all Saturday. But early on Sunday morning. Early, somebody say early. Early on Sunday morning. He got up with all power. His hand, public ramification. Are you glad that he lived a life of public ramification? Thank you, Jesus. Thank God that Jesus was on Amen. A moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.